Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I want to do something tonight that I've never done in 30 years of leading church on Good Friday. Is that I want to talk about Monday, Thursday, last night, and what that means for tonight, Good Friday. Because Jesus was a Jew, and the Bible says that um, Jesus went into Jerusalem for the Passover, and that's where we read in, in Luke's Gospel and John's Gospel and Mark's Gospel as well, we read about where we get communion from with Jesus having that meal. But what we don't understand is that Jesus was a Jew, and that Passover meal looked nothing like communion that you and I are used to if we are brought up in church, Okay. There were no white doily cloths, all right? There was none of these, neither. And in all likelihood, there were four cups. Let's just look at Luke's gospel for a moment. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying... This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. He's already taken the cup, hasn't he? He's taken another one. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You see, for a Jew, the Passover was called the Seder. And the Seder was an incredibly complicated affair. There were 15 different characteristics of this meal, okay? And there was food taken, but there were four cups present. And we're going to look at what those four cups all represented, because this is what's going to make that so much more powerful in your life and my life. And guys, when you're watching online, I really hope you've got some stuff that you can take communion with us later because we want you to fully engage in this, okay, tonight. We really are glad that you're watching us online as well. But these four cups are incredibly profound because these four cups represent four promises that God made Israel centuries before, okay? Now, promises are a really big deal for God. I mean, they're a really big deal for you and me, aren't they? Anyone ever had someone make a promise to you that they broke? Anyone? Hurts, doesn't it? Any one of you made a promise that you broke? Of course you have. But when it comes to God's promises, they take on a whole different meaning. In fact, in the Scriptures, in Peter, it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, and I'm reading it from the Passion it's called translation. It's more of a paraphrase, I think. But, but it says it really close to what the original says. But it just gives it a little bit more colour and context. It says, as a result of this, he has given, this is God, you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you've escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Now just look at that scripture for a bit. Magnificent promises. Tremendous promises by which we can be partners with the divine nature. In other words, God is saying he's made promises to you and to me that enable us to experience life with God. But the promises that the Jews were holding on to in the four cups 
were the four big promises given by God to the children of Israel centuries before in Exodus chapter 6 when they were in slavery. And from that time right through to today, Jews when they take the Passover and they have lamb and they have all these different things that go on and they have certain kinds of bread, there will be four cups. And those four cups Jesus was familiar with. And I'm going to open those up with you tonight. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the we're going to look at where it says it in the book of Exodus, okay? So, so that you know I haven't just dreamt this up, all right? But in Exodus chapter six, therefore say to the Israelites, this is God speaking, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. To go on, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Here are the four promises that are in the four cups of the Passover Seder, the Passover meal. Number one, I will bring you out. God promises salvation. Isn't that good? It's cup number one. I'll bring you out. God promises salvation. But cup number two, I will free you. God promises salvation. Deliverance. But there's more. Because cup number three is I will redeem you because God promises restoration. And then the fourth cup, which he wouldn't have touched, he wouldn't have drunk of that because this is the future one, is I will ultimately take you. God promises fulfillment. And these four promises are what the Jews, every Passover, would take the cup to remind themselves of the magnificent, tremendous promises that God had made to them, which I want to say to you, and I'm going to give you, this is the end right now, okay, are all fulfilled in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. So we're going to look at them tonight, and we're going to intersperse it with worship and encountering Jesus together, because I think in these four cups is the whole thing about what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And I didn't know all of this. Some of you, this is brand new, right? This is brand new. Okay, dig in for it yourself. Look at it yourself. It's mind-blowing how important and how deep and profound this is. And when you and I take that later, okay, that little plastic cup because of COVID and all that, okay, we don't fully get the context of what this is. This is representing the promises that God made his people centuries before, which ultimately are fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And the genius of the death of Jesus is that he's enabled all of this to be yours and to be mine. Isn't that amazing? So, cup number one, God promises salvation. We're going to read quite a big scripture to us. Paul writes this in the book of Titus. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. Anyone remember that? I know some of us still are, let's be honest, okay? We were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, all right? So we just had no clue what we're doing. Going around with a chip on our shoulder. This is from the message translation. You've worked that out already. (laughs) Hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Saviour God, stepped in, He saved us from all that. We don't do salvation He does it in us. He brings it in us. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Saviour Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. 
And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. I want you to put your foot down. Take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. I want to ask you a question. Have you drunk from this cup? Because cup number one is the cup of salvation. You can do nothing to receive it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough. It was all through what Jesus did on the cross, the cup of salvation. And I don't know about you, but I want to thank him for that, don't I? Don't you? And you know, for me, um, when I was at Spring Harvest this last week and I was hosting in the, the main celebration, it was 2,000 people there, so it was, it was exciting and all of that. And, 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 and we shared some stories of, about what God is doing in our church. You know, over the last six months, we've baptized 44 people many of which came to faith during lockdown. They've drunk from the cup of salvation. And I'll tell you, the longer I've been a Christian, 40 years this May, okay, long time, I don't ever get tired of that. Because to me, this is so beautiful and precious. And on the first night of Spring Harvest, 52 young people gave their lives to Jesus. It's amazing. Amazing. And... On the second night, loads of adults gave their life to Jesus. And, and we heard a story of, I was doing a response and s- several people were um, in the overflow and some were in their chalets and a, and a girl was watching in a chalet, a teenager, and she gave her life to Jesus with her grandmother through just watching the service. And it was so amazing just seeing people giving their life to Jesus. And if you have drunk from this cup of salvation tonight, on Good Friday, because of what Jesus has done, we want to thank him. There's an old hymn that we're going to sing right now. It says, nothing but thy blood can save me. I want to invite you to stand and let's worship him and let's thank him for the cup that we get to drink from because of the death of Jesus. But you know, here's the thing. What happens is that we sing that song. You can take your seats, guys. We sing that song, No Other Fount I Know. But you know what it's like when you've given your life to Jesus and you get baptised and and it's like, it's great, it's fantastic because we've drunk out of the cup of salvation. But it doesn't stay like that, does it? Because what we don't do, some of us, is we don't move on. Now, I don't mean move past. I mean move on because there's another cup. And you see, cup number two is God promises me deliverance. Because it's one thing to get me out. Or it's one thing to get Israel out of Egypt, as you know the old preacher thing. It's another thing to get Egypt out of Israel. You see, God says, I'll bring you out. But he also says, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to deliver you. In other words, I'm not only going to bring you out, I'm going to get what's in you out as well. Do you know that Israel was... In slavery, and I only realized this, I mean, I knew it, but it just like hit me recently. Israel was in slavery for 400 years. That's as long as America has been a nation. Think about it. As long as America, when they went to Jamestown in the 1600s, so now it's like 400 years. The whole history of America, the whole history of America, United States of America, in terms of, from, I don't mean indigenous before that, I mean from when we say this is America, 1600 and odd, That's the same amount of time that Israel was in slavery. You forget who you are, don't you? And you pick up all the culture and you pick up the habits and you pick up the worldview and you pick up all of that. And yet God says, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to deliver you.
God promises us deliverance. And you see, I think many of us as Christians, we don't understand the genius of the death of Jesus. It isn't just to give us salvation to bring us out, although that's brilliant. It's also to bring out from us what's already in us, to deliver us from all of those things. This week in um, uh, Spring Harvest, I met a Brazilian guy called Raf, and I'm going to get Raf up here to meet you guys. He's phenomenal. This is the most tattooed young person I've ever met. He's in his 30s. And he's from Brazil, but he lives in England now. And as a young man in Brazil, he told his story. His father was a very, very wealthy solicitor, but his whole family was dysfunctional. And his father, I'm, I've got children in here, so I'm going to be careful what I say, really didn't do well by his wife, you understand. And Raf became a drug addict and eventually was kicked out of the house and left Brazil as a 17-year-old and ended up on the streets of London as a drug addict. And he went to 12-step uh, programs and finally got free, um, which was great. But he got free from drug addiction, but, didn't, but then realised that the issue isn't the drugs. The issue is that what's going on inside. Because here's the reality. Every one of us has got stuff. Every one of us needs to be delivered from something. Your issue might not be drugs. It might not be alcohol. It might not be pornography. It might not be whatever. But there's issues inside of us and we get free of the stuff but we don't deal with what's going on on the inside because we need to drink from the second cup and we need to keep drinking from the second cup because Jesus is the answer to that because he promised to set us free, to set us free. Warren Buffett, as uh, a great author, he said, the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. And I don't know how many of us here in this room or watching online, if we're really honest, say we know we've drunk from the cup of salvation, but actually we know there's stuff in us which has still got a hold of us. And Jesus invites us on this Good Friday and this Easter weekend to come and go a little bit deeper. The cup number two, God promises me deliverance, but it doesn't just stop there because cup number three, God promises me restoration. And restoration literally means to put back to its original design. I don't know about you, but I look around at humanity right now and I look in the mirror at myself and thinking I'm not the original design. There's so much brokenness, isn't there, in all of us? But the genius of the death of Jesus is that it isn't just to bring us out of Egypt. It's just to take Egypt out of us, but then it's to put us back. It's the restoration of everything that's been taken and stripped out of our lives. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter one. It's in Christ, again message, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. And I tell you what, it's a complete lie of the enemy that's got many of us trapped with all of these narratives that we're not good enough, that we're not worthy enough, that we're not somehow special enough. And yet God has chosen us and not only to bring us out, but to deliver us and free us and then to restore us to the original design, to make us who he always saw us to be. And I don't know about you, but coming out of this season, out of COVID, and although we know COVID's still around, but coming out of this season and and all of that's been ruined and destroyed and knocked down in lives and in communities. And I think this is an important message. God wants to restore. Amen. This cup 
of restoration. We need to drink from it. This is the genius of the death of Jesus. This is so much bigger than just, I'm saved now. But actually, God is working in me to deliver me and then to restore me to the original design. Which brings us on to the cross. And what we're going to do tonight is I'll, I'll get to the cross in a bit, okay? To the genius of the cross. But before we do that, I want us to pause a little bit. And I want you to take the flower. Because before we even get on to cup number four, okay, we're going to hold on to cup number four for a bit, okay? Before we get on to cup number four, guys, I want you to say that I want you to know this. If you have drunk from any of these cups already, or you are drinking from any of these cups, then like me, tonight you will be incredibly grateful, right? And we wanted to give you an opportunity to express that gratitude to Jesus in a creative way. And you give flowers to people to say sorry, don't you, darling? When, 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 I, first, when I first used to buy flowers for Alison, it was always like, what has he done again? Now I do buy you flowers when I've done nothing wrong, don't I? See, see, so, I'm sorry. So you, you do it to say sorry, but you also do it to express love. So I don't know what you need to do tonight. Maybe it's both. But in a moment, the band are going to play. We're going to worship. We're going to invite you to stand. And I know you can't do this at home online. And I'm so sorry about that. But hopefully you can engage with us where you are as well. And we're going to invite you to come and to put that flower at the foot of the cross. To say, Jesus, I'm sorry. But Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you. Because that's the other reason we give flowers, isn't it? Yesterday at Spring Harvest, we, we thanked a lady who has served the five to seven-year-olds every year at Spring Harvest, hundreds and hundreds of children every year for 35 years as a volunteer. And we gave her massive bunches of flowers. Why? To say thank you. So you give a flower to say sorry. You give a flower to say I love you. And you give a flower to say thank you. So I want to invite you to stand with me. Jesus, I want to pray that these next few minutes and moments as we wander around the room a little bit and figure this out, how to do it, God, I just pray that this will be just a special moment, not just throwing a flower at the foot of a cross, but expressing to you our gratitude. We want to say thank you for what you've done for us, that you drank the cup. You drank the cup of death. You drank the cup of being despised. You drank the cup of pain. You drank the cup of shame. You drank the cup of being cut off from your Father so that we could drink these cups of salvation and deliverance and restoration and fulfilment. And God, what we want to do tonight, Jesus, is we want to say thank you. We want to say we love you. And Lord, we want to say we're sorry. We're sorry for getting familiar with this. We're sorry for, for drinking the cup and then just going around our own way and not going deeper. We want to say sorry for letting you down so much. We want to say sorry for trying to do it all in our own strength. We want to say sorry for just not getting it. But God, as we do that tonight, we are so thankful to you for your incredible gift of your life so that we get to drink now the cups of relationship with you. 
And so Jesus, as we worship you, we pray, God, that you would accept this. We know you will because it's from our heart. But Lord, more than that, we pray that as we express our love and our gratitude and our sorrow to you tonight on Good Friday, we're aware, we're aware of the pain you went through in order that we could get to drink these incredible cups that you promised thousands of years ago. We get to drink from that because of what you did on that cross. The nails, it wasn't the nails that held you to the cross. It was your love for us. It was your love for us. It was so that we could get to drink these cups tonight. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Just want to invite you to do that. Obviously, don't all go at the same time. Just gauge it, but we'll worship. And whether it's sorry, whether it's thank you, whether it's I love you, or whether it's all of those, why don't you come? Bring your flower to the foot of the cross. And then there's a fourth cup. And this is the cup. (laughs) This is where God promises me fulfillment. Because what it says is that I will take you. Ultimately, I will take you. Not as my person, but as my people. You see, this is huge. Because for many of us in our Western individualized society, we think now and... Like the pandemic has accelerated this, okay? From, I'm going to get technical for a moment off my notes, okay? What's happening in our nation and in the Western world is an acceleration of what was happening before. And it's kind of postmodern spirituality, which is determined by three things, okay? It's self-directed, it's anti-institutional, and it's selective. So in other words, I want my spirituality when I want it, how I want it, for me. But the last cup isn't where God says, I'll take you as a person. He says, I'll take you as a people. Because ultimately the fullness of our relationship with God isn't in our individual relationship with God. It's in our corporate communal relationship with Jesus. I will take you. The the ultimate fulfillment of what Jesus did on the cross isn't just to make individuals right with Him. It's to take a people as His own, as His own, chosen, a royal priesthood. Peter says, and I absolutely love this because we as a church, okay, we are not a firm, we are a family. We're not a corporation, we're a community. We're not an organisation, we are an organism. I have to be really careful how I say that word. We're an organism. I've rehearsed that one, okay, because I have made that mistake before. We won't go into that. And so we're not, and yes, there's some corporate things we do and there's some organisational things we do, but ultimately, guys, we're a family, aren't we? And what I love is just seeing those different flowers. Do you know what I mean? There's the variety of those flowers and the variety of you and your journey and your story and, and your ethnicity and your background and your experience. And ultimately, that cup, Jesus says, God says, I will take you as my people. So we get to the genius of the death of Jesus. What's all this got to do? So this is what Jesus is doing on Monday, Thursday. There's some cups on the table. There's some bread. There's some lamb. There's the whole thing, the Passover. Well, in Exodus 6, God does the four promises. But in Exodus 12, 
after Moses has gone to try to you know, bargain with Pharaoh, and you know the story, you've watched Pharaoh, King, King of Egypt film, you know it. Ultimately, it doesn't happen, and God has to ramp it up. And so then Exodus 12, this is what, you know what happens, is that the Passover, the angel of death comes, and, and, and the Bible says that if you put blood on the doorpost, then the angel of death will pass over, and you'll be saved. But you see, not only will you be saved, but ultimately then you'll be brought out, you'll be delivered. Not only will you ultimately be delivered, but you'll be restored to your original intention. Not only will you be restored, but ultimately you'll be fulfilled because I'll take you as my people. So go back to Luke 22. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want to eat this meal one more time because I want to remind you of the promises that are there for you. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I want to say something. Please just listen. This, this is really important. You can't have the four cups without Jesus. Amen? You can't have them. So salvation is found in no one else other than Jesus. Real, when I was chatting to this guy, Raf, and we, we, we connected and became friends, I think, in interactions, he said, I got free of drugs, but that wasn't the issue. I needed deliverance from what was on the inside, and that only happened when I met Jesus. We will never be fully restored into who we are always meant to be without Jesus. And we'll never be really fulfilled as a people without Jesus. You want any of the four cups, the promises of that? It doesn't come without Jesus. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He drank the cup of pain and shame and death so that you and I could drink these incredible cups. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing and breathtaking. And I love it so much because the reality is that on that meal, it wasn't only bread that was kind of shared around, it was lamb as well. At the Passover meal, there's lamb shared around. And again, this is so, so profound. Look in Exodus chapter 12. If my household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour. That's interesting, isn't it? So this whole thing of what we're experiencing, the promises of God, the salvation, the deliverance, the restoration, the fulfilment, there's got to be, you've got to share it around with your neighbour. The lamb needs to be shared around the community. You see where we're going? It's amazing. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. In other words, there's, there's enough lamb to go around. Love it. There's enough lamb to go around. And so this Easter time, guys, as we celebrate, as we thank God for his death, for Jesus, for his death on the cross, so that we get to drink these cups, we are not going to move on at the moment, okay, to take communion until we just acknowledge the fact that there are people around who desperately need this. And you and I are the ones to share it and break it and give it. We have to be. We absolutely have to be. Our job is is to share the lamb. And the lamb is one of the terms for Jesus, is the most commonly used term for Jesus really in scripture, is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just mine, 
but my neighbours and my family and my friends and my work colleagues and all of that. And that's not because we're better than them because we know we're not better. We're just forgiven and we're drinking these cups and we want to share it around. Now, when you share Jesus with someone who doesn't know Jesus, they don't get it. And do you know why they don't get it? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is, some of you know this, but we forget this. We think it's because we're doing a bad job or they're just not interested. We don't understand that they just can't see it because something is in the way. And it's like the God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see it. So what do we need to do? Well, firstly, we need to pray don't we? We need to pray. I don't know who you're praying for. Get praying. I'm sure you are. Let's pray for those who don't know God because they need to drink from these cups too. But then we need to invite. We need to invest and invite. And I don't just mean invite to church, although that's good. I mean invite into dialogue, invite into our lives, invite into our our homes, invite into conversation. Because when we do that, we begin to share some of this. And then thirdly, we need to participate. We need to be drinking from these cups as well. Because I'll tell you what, the thing that really will convince the world that this is real it's not just our words. It's not, in fact, our words. It's the way we live our lives. Are we drinking from these cups? Are we being delivered? Are we being restored? Are we being fulfilled? And then I want to say something about Easter Sunday. This Easter Sunday, if you are part of this church, if you haven't got another church to go to, we'd love to see you on Easter Sunday. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, invite someone. Invite someone, bring them with you. And when you come and bring them with you, participate. You participate. We're going all gospel on Sunday morning, some old songs, some new stuff. It's going to be amazing. A lot of worship and then some incredible stories. And then I'll be sharing about the genius of the resurrection. You participate. They might not believe what you believe, but they should believe that you believe what you say you believe. Right? So we want to participate. So... Now we are going to take communion. I hope that has helped you. It's really helping me. I don't want to just drink the cup of salvation. I'm so grateful for that. But I need to keep drinking. And this is a keep thinking. I need to keep drinking this cup of deliverance. I need to keep asking Jesus to work in me. I know there's stuff in me. There's Egypt still in me. And I need to keep drinking the cup of restoration. But you know what? Ultimately, we find fulfillment in community. It was Jesus who initiated and instituted this meal in community. And he prayed in John 17 that we would be one as he and the Father and the Spirit are one. So we're going to take the cup. Now this is quite a job to get into these things, all right? So let's just cut through that for a minute. So you take the top plastic layer off and you get the gluten-free, I think, Gluten-free little things. So why don't we stand together? Let's stand. And can I just say, this was painted by my friend Helen at Spring Harvest this week. So she was on the side while the worship was going on and she painted this amongst many other things. In fact, one of the things she painted, I'll just say this is incredible. She had a whole load of kids that came out during the worship and they all painted all kinds of crazy, messy stuff. And then she would go through the week and make it something amazing. And these are the outstretched hands of Jesus who was outstretched on that cross 
and drank that cup of death and pain and shame so that you and I get to drink these four amazing cups. Let's take the bread and let's say thank you, Jesus, as we eat. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you so much that your body was broken for us so that we could be made whole, that we could be restored. We thank you for your death. Now let's try and get our way in to the juice. (laughs) Yep. Love it. Anyone got in yet? We're going to go back to cops after this, all right? This is the last one. Okay. It's not working. Thank you. It's all right. You don't have to all be solemn. Do you know what I mean? It really doesn't. Let's drink. Let's thank Jesus for what he's done. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, who takes my sin away, my shame away, my pain, my addiction, my brokenness, my weakness, my fear, my lust, my sin, my pride, my anger, my hurt, my wounds, my bitterness. You are the one who takes that away and makes me whole. And Jesus, tonight on Good Friday, it wasn't good for you, but it was really good for us. And we want to thank you and worship you tonight. And now, guys, we're going to just worship him. This next 10, 15 minutes, we are going to worship Jesus together. Before we do that, we are going to do something strange. We're going to put our hands together and we're going to thank Jesus for what he's done for us. Amen. Amen.